0: Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Fonville. We're making our way through a study in Galatians 3 called Sons of Abraham. We're unpacking verses 10-14 where Paul says pretty bluntly, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, but he doesn't leave us hanging. He also says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's good news, Right. Well, let's turn our attention now to this message called Escaping the Curse and Receiving God's Blessing. Here's Pastor John with part one.
1: Galatians chapter three, verse 10. He says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Now, here's a key phrase here, for it is written. He's appealing to the authority of the Bible to teach his point. For it is written, cursed being everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. No, it is evident, it's clear, it's obvious. That's what it means it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. And again, he quotes Scripture, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one, and he quotes Scripture again, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, he's appealing to scripture again. He says, For it is written, Cursed is everyone who has hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith, a double blessing. The blessing of justification and the blessing of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which comes through faith in the gospel and not by a legalistic attempt to keep the law. The past couple weeks, to, to help you get a better understanding of what Paul is arguing here in Galatians chapter 3, is actually verses 6 to 14. We're in the second half of this section, we just backed up and stopped, and, and I helped uh, hopefully I helped you come to understand the, the two key components of Scripture and the difference between them, which is the law and the gospel. If you want to understand the Bible, you have to understand that the Bible, the Bible is made up of two principal parts. The Bible is either law which tells you what to do and gives you no power to do it. Or it's gospel, which tells you that God in Christ did this for you. And then it gives you the power to do what the law commands you to do. And that's scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible is either law or gospel. And We took a couple weeks to look at those distinctions because if you don't understand those distinctions, you won't have a clue what Paul's talking about in Galatians 3 in the passage that we just read. Because all Paul is doing in Galatians chapter 3 through chapter 4 is he is teaching a Christian understanding of the law, he's giving you a Christian understanding of God's law. Before we look at this passage, I want to introduce to you this morning in how our contemporary culture views law. We're not talking about civic law, which has to do with politics and government. We're not talking about ceremonial law, which has to do with, son, get your elbow off the table. We're talking about spiritual law. The type of law that says, if you break this law, Paul says, you're under God's curse. And so how does our contemporary culture, how does contemporary, listen, evangelical culture, churches who say we're evangelical, churches who say we believe the gospel, how do they view and understand the law? Let me give you three examples here's the first the first one comes from a seminar that you can go to a conference seminar and the conference seminar is called this transformational life coaching group the word coach in our culture is one of the most respected terms in our culture and by the way the word pastor or priest is one of the most despised that's why I never refer to myself as a pastor. Because as soon as I do that, people zip up, shut up, and no longer talk to me. And so where I, where I work out, this 80-year-old woman who I've been trying to witness to and get to know, um, she comes walking in, and you know she's ready to do her workout like this, and she stopped the other day, and she just stood there and stared at me. And I'm like, What are you doing? It's kind of uncomfortable. She goes, I just found out you're a pastor. (laughs) I'm telling you, they just change. And I'm like, shoot, how in the world did she find that out? Just blew my cover. But so this is the title, the Transformational Life Coaching Group. Now I'm just going to read you the description of this conference. I want you to listen very carefully. Um, It starts like this, in this eight-session life coaching group, you will learn and experience practical, gospel-friendly principles, that sounds good, for how to create more peace and happiness in your personal life and relationships. I call these principles the universal laws of life the universal laws of life. And just like the universal laws that apply to the physical world, such as gravity, which apply to everyone all the time, these universal laws also apply to everyone all the time. Another way to think of them is the instruction manual for successful, happy living. Many wish we had received such a manual... But somehow, many of us missed that day. These universal laws comprise that manual, teaching you the unseen principles of power for creating more happiness, peace, and fulfillment in your life right now, day to day. That's quite an ad. Here's a book. The second example comes from a book. The title of the book is called "Living Kindness." Who doesn't want to live Kindness, right? I like people to be kind to me. Listen to the introduction of the book. This is the first couple pages. These 10 principles, 10. You have Ten Commandments, and then you have 10 principles on top of the Ten Commandments. These 10 principles, and here they are, generosity, effort, patience, ethics, simplicity and meditation, wisdom, truthfulness, steadfastness, equanimity, which is a healthy, balanced attitude, and loving kindness, offer a universal path to spiritual growth and compassionate, living kindness. They can also help us cope with the many challenges facing us today, both personally and as a community. Sounds good. Third example is another book. The title of this book is How to Live a Blessed Life. You could actually entitle Galatians 3, 10-14, to 14, How to Live a Blessed Life. So keep that in mind. Listen to the back cover of the book as it describes the book. Every human being should desire to live a blessed life. Of course. All we need to know is how. Just tell me what to do. That's what the human heart says. You'll see this in a minute. All we need to know is how. The unnamed man described in Psalm 112, I'll just name him, he's called Jesus Christ. The, the unnamed man described in Psalm 112 is one who reflects the blessing of God across the spectrum of his life. In this special gift book, Pastor, and I'll come back to in a minute, Pastor So-and-So, shows how we can be blessed in every area of our lives by applying the same principles. There it is again. Know the power of impact and influence, respect and credibility, generosity and blessing, righteousness and discretion, prosperity and success, no worries, in leaving a legacy. End quote. Of these three examples which I just shared with you, which do you think came, or possibly all of them came, from evangelical churches? Because they all have the exact same message. Let me give you the order. Here's the order. Number one, the Transformational Life Coaching Group is Mormonism. Number two, Living Kindness is Buddhism. The subtitle of the book, put up, The Buddha's Ten Guiding Principles for a Blessed Life. Number three, evangelical in quotes. Do you know how tragic this is? There. So called professing evangelical book is no different from Mormonism and Buddhism. It is the exact same message. And in the idolatrous pursuit of the evangelical church to be relevant and practical. Evangelical churches have actually become boring and completely irrelevant. People unconsciously think because of their fallen heart, why do we need to go to church when I can get all the help I need from a life coach or from Buddha's 10 guiding life principles for a blessed life. There is no difference. Listen to what Michael Horton writes in his book called The Gospel-Driven Life. As true as a lot of the exhortations might be, the ones we just looked at, the familiarity of law, things to do, can make us wonder why the message of our churches is all that different and why the Christian message, he's talking about the gospel, is all that radical. Only the radical news concerning Jesus Christ can distract us from all the trivial pursuits and transform us from the inside out. It is no wonder that people become bored with church and assume that they can get along well in life without it. The three examples that I just shared with you reflect a non-Christian view of the law. They have more in common with the Judaizers than Paul and with legalism than the gospel. The Judaizers came to these Galatian churches and said, we have the path to the blessed life. If you really want to be a son of Abraham and really get in God's good graces and favor, let me give you a list of rules to keep. Here's the whole Mosaic covenant. Keep the whole thing, and boy, God will love you. That's terrible news, and Paul responds and argues right here and throughout the letter that God never gave a law that would curb or cure the sinful tendencies of your heart. That Paul says here in the passage you just read, the law will never lead you to a blessed life. It will only result in bringing you under an eternal curse. The law does not issue a sentence of justification and blessing. The law only issues a sentence of cursing and condemnation. And when you misuse the law, it turns you inward upon yourself. And it always brings to your attention in your daily walk with Christ, your spiritual growth. Your obedience, your performance, your spiritual and moral well being, your morality, how wonderful you are. It makes you always focused on you, 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 you. Legalistic preoccupation with laws, principles, life coaching steps, whatever you want to call it. Listen carefully. It makes you the main actor in God's redemptive story. And it makes your actions the main plot. And Jesus, Paul says, is relegated to becoming a supporting actor whose perfect actions simply become the subplot to exalt you. And so as Michael Horton says, we, rather than Christ, become the front headline news item. Listen again to what he says. Listen carefully. He says, we need to see God as the headliner again. You know what he's saying there? Evangelical churches stop giving people endless lists of practical, relevant, soul-killing legalism and get people off the front page and put Jesus there. That's what he's saying here. It is not we who must find a supporting role for God in our personal and social campaigns for spiritual, moral, and therapeutic well-being. We need to stop and listen. We need to stop and listen to God's surprise announcement about what He has done to save sinners like us. The only thing that the church can provide to the world that is truly unique is the gospel. Only the gospel brings a new creation into this present age of sin and death. If you want to be like Mormonism and Buddhism, then you go and get your, your mind full of lists and duties and principles and secrets and tips and practical, relevant, idolatrous, soul-killing legalism and see how your life turns out but if you want to come to a church where there is one thing unique that we have to offer people, and it's called good news. And so, since following a set of laws doesn't lead to a blessed life, what does? I, I doubt that any of you came here today thinking, you know, what can I do today to fall under God's eternal curse? I just love being miserable. Galatians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says, there are some who trouble you. That word trouble is a powerful word. It pictures like a storm on an ocean that just stirs up the seas to where you're being tossed all over the place and you have no peace. If you're on an open sea in a storm, you don't have peace. You're puking. (laughs) That is what legalism does. It makes you spiritually revulsed. Because you can never, ever think that you ever in your conscience have God's favor resting on your life. And so Paul, in Galatians 3, verses 10 to 14, turns his attention to these false teachers, and in a head-on collision, he picks up their argument and turns it against them. And he says, you want to talk law? Let's talk law. I will show you from the scripture and from the law itself that the law does not lead to a blessed life. It leads to a cursed life unless a person can keep every single minute detail perfectly. And so this is what Paul does in verses 6 to 9, which we looked at. He gave three arguments based on Old Testament scripture. That demonstrates that justification, how to be right with God, comes through faith alone. Just to, to, to remind you, which is a good reminder, justification is this: it is God the judge with his gavel slamming it on the bench from heaven and saying to you, in a direct declaration as a judge, you have never sinned in your whole life and you have always obeyed perfectly in your whole life, you're not guilty, go free. That's justification. And Paul says that blessing comes through faith in Christ alone. Now in chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, the passage that we read, Paul will give you four arguments that is based on the Old Testament scriptures, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Habakkuk. How many of you have read Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Habakkuk lately? He's going to go to the Old Testament Scriptures and he's going to prove from the law and the prophets itself that the Old Testament Scriptures teach the impossibility of being justified by God by keeping the works of the law. That's all he's doing. Now this is radical because Paul, as you remember, was a, was a former Pharisee Trained in rabbinical understanding of the law. He knew the law inside and out. He could quote the whole thing from memory. But what he does here is he radically deviates from his former legalistic training in the law and he sets forth a Christian understanding of the law. And the difference in his life was back in chapter 1 when the risen Christ encountered him by grace on the Damascus Road. And it was a revolutionary, Copernican-like change that came about in this man's life. Everything he had ever been taught since a child, everything he knew in his culture, every single thing that he lived for, was completely in a moment when he (laughs) When he was encountered by the risen, resurrected Christ in his power was changed just like that. And that's what we're after in this church. That's what we're after, is that you come week after week and you don't get the gospel. That's okay. Just keep coming. Just keep listening. Because the power of the Holy Spirit in an instant can awaken you like you did Paul and change your whole life just like that. And so to help you clearly understand that the law does not lead to to blessing, but rather cursing, Paul gives you these four arguments from Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture. Here's the first one. We'll just look at the first one this week. He teaches that the Old Testament Scriptures teach that the law issues a sentence of cursing rather than blessing. That's chapter 3, verse 10. To prove that argument, he quotes... Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26. So if you haven't read Deuteronomy lately, I'm just going to try to give you a quick Old Testament lesson here. Um, If you want to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 27, go ahead. If you don't, you don't have to. This is what he says. For it is written, for it is written, the authority of Scripture, cursed being everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul says this anyone who relies even in the slightest bit on the works of the law are cursed rather than blessed. Now, when Paul quoted Deuteronomy 27, Verse 26, to his Jewish crowd, his Jewish opponents who were opposing him, the Judaizers, immediately in the mind of his opponents, the imagery of the blessings and curses linked to Deuteronomy 27 and 28 in the Mosaic law would have come immediately to the forefront of their minds. The first thing they would have thought of.
0: Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called Escaping the Curse and Receiving God's Blessing, Part 1. More from the series is coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville on iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at paramountchurch.com. I'm Josh Montez. Thanks for listening and join us next time.